about more than just travel. Hello, beautiful we people. Welcome tips, to Chronicles Abroad, and hacks, a podcast the show that uses travel to highlight so stories of whether you're a lover growth. of travel so or just someone who spotlighted stories of courageous world travelers, creative wanderers, and digital nomads who share their incredible experiences of the world through their eyes. If you like traveling, this is what you need. So tune in. Hello, beautiful people. Thank you. And welcome to Chronicles Abroad. I'm Francis, And I'm Nubia. And today we have an amazing show for you. We're sitting with Nikki and Nikki Travels Well. Nikki is a conscious traveler. She is sharing wellness from around the world. She hopes to shed the light that we are all very much the same than we are different. She also believes you have the power to make your own happiness and live to your full potential. Welcome, Nikki, to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, ladies. Yes. So, Nikki, (laughs) tell us, let's start with, what does it mean to be a conscious traveler? Okay, what does it mean to be a conscious traveler? I feel that it means to, that everything you do has a purpose. Everything you do is not just done blindly just because you can like like say for instance one of my uh, posts was uh, talking about purchasing power during the holidays that if you're going to buy something you can buy it with intention you can buy it with uh, the meaning that this money is going to be something that's fair trade for instance you're you're buying something that will benefit someone's life it's not just going to a huge corporation because I'm, I'm, I'm a big uh, fan of shopping small and shopping local. And, and when you're traveling, like for, you know, with travels abroad, you can choose what company or w- what hotel, your accommodations, not just anyone, just because it's big and famous. I'm very big into sustainability and choosing to stay at a boutique hotel. Like when I had stayed in Indonesia, for instance, in Yogyakarta, I stayed at a place called Green Host, and almost the entire facade was green inside the hand railings. They were growing mint on the hand railings. They had an urban farm on the rooftop. It's just making a conscious choice with your purchases, with your accommodations, with what you buy. That's to me, that's the definition of traveling consciously or living a conscious lifestyle. Do you think it's difficult to do that? No, I don't think so. I just think that you have to think about it. Whereas in today's society, the brands out there are thinking for us. Basically, the whole idea behind advertisement, a lot of them um, were working on psychology. They would say, we're going to think for you. We're going to make you or make you think you need something that you don't. And basically, us as the quote-unquote consumer can now switch that and think that before I actually make this purchase, where is my money going to? Who is benefiting from this? Who made this? I bought these hat and a hat and a pair of half mittens that were made by Nepalese women. And that money would be going to them so they can support their families. It wasn't going to a big, huge company, a large brand that just makes 
hat and mittens on a on an assembly line. You know, when I was in India this past summer and I was in a place called Jai Salmer, which is in the desert, in the Thar Desert that spans India and Pakistan. And I had purchased bed coverings, like duvet covers, uh, from a co-op that was run by, not run, but the co-op was made up, the workers were made up primarily of widows. To be a widow in India is not the, the best status that you can be. Sometimes you can actually be forgotten. And this is a way to, to give them purpose, that they don't, don't have to follow that old tradition of following your husband if he dies or you throw yourself on the funeral pyre committing sati, that you have a purpose. So they were making patchwork duvet covers and blankets and the company's proceeds, 70% of the proceeds went to these widows. So I prefer to buy from them than just buying regular old blanket made by some big company or, or something. Do you understand what I'm saying? Purchasing with a purpose, spending my money with a purpose, going to places with a purpose intentionally, not just because it's there and not just because many people have said, oh, this is the place to go. So that's what being a conscious lifestyle, a conscious traveler means to me. Now, we totally get it because actually just the other day I was um, walking from school. I had a break and I was heading to my favorite cafe. And on the way there, there's a woman selling strawberries. Now, I could easily go, you know, into the supermarket and buy myself some strawberries. But typically when I buy my fruit, I like to buy it from the local food stands and from the local people on the streets. So, I mean, I wouldn't label myself a conscious traveler, but I do. I am mindful of making sure um, the locals get more of my money uh, than the actual supermarkets because you can really get a lot of great stuff from them. Yes, exactly. Being mindful, perfect word, just being mindful. So how did you get started on your travel journey? <laughs> Okay, so I'll try to be as succinct as possible. My travel partner and I, well, my former travel partner and I, were in Indonesia, as I mentioned earlier, last March 2017. Sorry, two marches ago. Gee whiz, time flies by. Two marches ago, 2017. And we were both working. He was living in Washington, D.C. I was living in New York. And in the U.S., for the most part, you only have two weeks vacation time, two weeks holiday time. And so we kind of felt rushed because where we were going, it took us about two days to get there from the East Coast of the U.S. to Southeast Asia. Basically, if you have two weeks, that's 14 days. Really, you only have 12 days to explore because you have two days going and two days coming back. And we felt rushed. We did two days in Jakarta, two days in Yogyakarta, four days in Bali, and then we surrounded the other days with Singapore and Shanghai. And while we were in Bali, Bali is sort of where we had our awakening, and his name is Justin, and he had said, you know what, in a year and a half, I'm going to travel full-time. That was his thing. And he just sort of threw it out there because we were seeing a few people in different cafes working on their laptops, and we just said that this is actually possible. And it was just a, it was just a comment almost a throwaway comment that he made. So fast forward from March to November 2017, and he comes to New York to visit for our, we have Thanksgiving in November. Thanksgiving is a holiday, a big holiday in the U.S. And so he said, Nicole, I've moved up my timeline. I'm going to leave in the spring. And at that moment, I just paused for a moment. I said, I'm going with you. And that started the whole, the whole project of me preparing and selling my house, 
increasing the, the, the property value on my house, selling my house, saving my money, and just uh, transitioning my way to just leave and travel full-time because I realized that at my job, I enjoyed my job. I was working in the hospitality industry. I enjoyed it. My personality is perfect for customer service. However, it was not my passion. And we follow our passion. And my passion is traveling and wellness and wellness that overall of just being well. And when, when you travel, as I said earlier, to be mindful, um, to take care of your health, to take care of relationships with your friends and family, all of that is under the, the umbrella of being well and, and being conscious. So fast forward to May, May uh, 2018 was when I had left and I flew out and I started in South Asia, particularly India, which is where um, Justin had wanted to get his uh, yoga teacher training course. So I had started the journey there in South Asia, May 2018. And I haven't looked back. That's incredible. Like to just make that decision to sell your things and just go for it. Well, especially sell your home. Yeah. Like, how was that whole process? <laughs> well... I, when I bought the home, I knew it'd be my first home, not my last home. And it, it didn't really reflect my personality. It was, it's definitely learning experience. I have no regrets whatsoever of being a homeowner. Now I have that in my inventory, who I am as a person, but it didn't fulfill what I needed to do. And I had an aha moment actually during the process of making that decision November, 2017 to actually starting the process and completing it in May, 2018, is that I looked back at a time when I was younger, when I was around eight years old, my mother's from Alabama in the United States. And there was a time that we were traveling down from New York by car to Alabama. And I love that, that feeling of being on the road. And I realized that I'm a nomad. I'm that I'm a nomad and I, I could finally exhale regardless of what it is that I could finally exhale and I was living true to to myself. And so I put it on the market. But before that, I was increasing the property value as much as I can. And we sold the house and to a wonderful, wonderful family of a man and his and his daughter. So the process was very, very smooth. And I'm very happy that it ended up in the right hands. Love it. So for those listening, it is possible. Okay. It is definitely yes. possible. Yes. So let me ask you, how do you tie wellness into your travel? Cause I know you've talked about it a little bit, but what does it look like and, and how do you express that? You know, we're more than just travel. We provide tips, resources, and hacks for the curious traveler in you. So whether you're a lover of travel or just someone who is ready for a change, we have something for everyone. Okay, so the way I tie wellness, and for me, wellness is not just eating well, not just making sure that I find a place that has fresh juices in, in certain countries, which can be a challenge. It, it took us a while when we were in India to find a place with fresh juice and fresh salads because the diet is very different from what I'm used to in the U.S. And so it's not just finding 
healthy, quote unquote, healthy foods and dark leafy greens. It's also um, being kind to each other. I actually studied to be a health coach. So I'm a certified health coach and I love the way that the approach is called the integrative nutrition. So it's the entire person. And the founder talks about the four primary foods and there's the secondary foods are actually what we eat. That's what he came to the conclusion that the secondary food is what you eat. Four primary foods are relationships and relationships in our families, our work with other people on the street, relationships, I think, with our surroundings, you know? That's one. Number two, physical activity. Physical activity is not necessarily going to the gym or going to a fitness center. It could just be walking. It could be taking the stairs rather than the lift, you know, or walking to your location rather than getting into the car. That would be number two, physical activity. Number three, spirituality. And spirituality is not necessarily being part of an organized religion. It could be going to the ocean, going to the mountains, going to an open field, just feeling at, at oneness with the planet, with our environment. And then um, number four is uh, finding work we love or doing our passion rather than going to job, going to joy. So wellness encompasses just our experience on this planet along with, you know, eating well and, and making these mindful choices on accommodations. So I, I hope that answers the question. It's how I move through the world as often as I can be in my choices, being mindful and conscious. So that's all part of being well and experiencing wellness as an individual on this planet. I think that's beautiful. And one of the things that I wanted to comment on is the fact that it's just a way of life, right? That you should be mindful about all of those things, number one, especially your health and being kind and trying to live with a purpose. But it's very difficult to do so when you have a lot of noise around you. So all I can say for myself is that I really started tapping into the wellness portion of things once I was abroad, I found out what happiness really did look like, what it felt like, you know, because I tied happiness to things when I was in the States, mm -hmm. you know, so yes. I had this picture of when I left the States and then one year later and people were like, oh my gosh, you reversed aged and number one. And then number two is I just looked a hell of a lot more happier and healthier. And mm. for the simple fact that I didn't do anything differently, but I was eating fresher foods because that's all they offer is fresh foods. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Even if mm -hmm. you eat chicken, those chickens were running around that morning. Or that hour. Or that hour, like no, literally. Yeah. You know, the mm -hmm. fresh fruits and the vegetables and things like that. So you're surrounded by an abundance of it. We have a papaya tree in our backyard. You know, there's nice. coconut trees and, and banana trees lined, lined along the highways and stuff. I mean, it's just everywhere around you. So once you kind of put yourself in a environment like that, there's mm -hmm. no choice but like wellness and happiness and all those things. It's like a byproduct, you know? Yeah. The, e the mm -hmm. access is yes. so easy here, at least in Thailand. The access mm -hmm. is so easy. It's just great. But I love how you, you talk about the mindfulness portion of traveling. Because what I found, it's, I actually posted something on my Instagram not too long ago about I'm that person who's going to make you walk everywhere. <laughs> so I love to just, because that's the best way to discover new things in neighborhoods and 
see things from a different perspective. So I think mm-hmm. it, it is cool to be able to incorporate that into your travels because I think it's a more, it's like a, a more fulfilling connection with the culture and the locals around you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I absolutely agree. So which country would you say uh, provided you with the most profound experience or do you have one? Wow. What country provided me with the most profound experience? Hmm. Wow. Well, <laughs> it's it's interesting. I suppose it still has to be India because India, there's a, there's a phrase out there where they say you either love or you hate it. And I'm actually in the middle with India. It's such a huge country. It's a very challenging country. And it was challenging for me because from New York, from being in a big city, I'm used to being anonymous. And in India, their huge culture of, of starers, they just stare at you. And when you're used to being anonymous, and then when you, I call myself the reluctant celebrity, it's, uh, it's kind of hard. But the I did my best to sort of break that barrier where I would look at people, I start to look at them, and I'll try to engage with them, and or I'll say namaste and, and say hello. Some of them, they're genuinely curious. Sometimes it's not so much. It's not on the on the. It's not the 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 best type of interaction. But India has definitely had the most profound the most profound effect on me because when I went to Sri Lanka after India, it was like a complete opposite. I felt like Sri Lanka was a much more beautiful and not as intimidating India, if you will. And then flying over to Malaysia, I felt like I was back to being anonymous, especially in KL and Kuala Lumpur. And and then going to Thailand and Laos, it was, it was a very different experience. And also in comparison to other European countries that I've been to. And in China. Yes, India has had the most profound effect on me to date. Not even Africa, because I'd been to Africa as well. Still, I will say India, because it's it's still there. It's it's still there with me. I have a love-hate relationship with it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> India was very challenging. Girl, we don't have well. a love-hate relationship. <laughs> well, it's one of those things I would do it again, just in a different way. You know, there were things that we didn't know going in that we thought we knew. Things? We didn't didn't know know much. We didn't know much. We (laughs) thought, you know, asking people, you know, what their thoughts were. And I think it's difficult because you can't really explain it. It's not one of those countries you can explain. So I get it now why people had such a hard time really giving us the um, insight that we needed to manage and go through this country. Um, However, it's just one of those things you just got to experience for yourself. Yes, you know, that's that's yes, all I can say. Everyone has to have their own experience. Um, but there are things I appreciated about it, and there are things that were quite challenging. It was a lot. I appreciated mm-hmm. the food. Mm-hmm. The food so was everything. Good. It was. Mm-hmm. The food was great. It was, it was just very intimidating for me. So it's not one of those things. What I hear you say, like Sri Lanka was a lot less challenging in that way, I would say. I wish we would have started mm-hmm. with Sri Lanka. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe we would have appreciated yeah. it a little more. You know what I mean? Mhm mhm yeah and they know it as well they they know it because it's funny i'd already been to india in 2001 and then to start back because uh, justin wanted to start in india to get his yoga teacher training course it's funny because it's such a it's like a contradiction lots of contradictions and i'm wondering if it's the the people who are the starers are they locals sorry are they like um villagers who've moved to the cities are they the one because i flew through russia from moscow to delhi and when i was in moscow uh the people on the flight everyone queued up 
nice and orderly. And then when you uh, get, unless they're, they're just the, the Indians who travel, I guess, you know, I, I always try to figure out why there are certain groups who just stare and may, maybe they're, they're the, um, the villagers, as I said, maybe they're people who they just don't see quote unquote foreigner or people who are different. And, and the, the pictures, they're the selfie capital of the world. They always want pictures with you. I'm like you're black too. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. You know? And when I had hair, when I had dreads, you know, uh, the first time in 2001, I actually had hair and I was sitting on at a gat on the Ganges River. This is in uh, Ramjala, Luxmanjala, and uh, by Rishikesh. And they came to touch my hair. I'm like, Sufis have dreads. You know, what? why am I so different? You know, why am I so different? It was really, really interesting. And then to be back and to walk with my friends and then have blonde friends that they would thrust babies at, you know, because I don't know, they think that blonde women are good luck and to hold my child. It's really weird. It's a really, really crazy type of culture. The selfie photo celebrity of the foreigner culture. It's really, really strange. And again, just like you said, you have to live it to experience it, you know, but then uh, that's a lot in Northern part of India. When I was in Southern India, because after leaving Southeast Asia, I flew out of Malaysia and to return to the U.S., I had my return flight from Delhi. So I had to go back to India anyway. And there are a couple of places that I, that I visited in the South. And it's a little bit different. So it must be mostly northern India. I was in Hyderabad and Goa in the south. And my experience wasn't as wasn't as intense as it was in the north, like say in Delhi and in Rajasthan and Agra and Mumbai and all those other cities. So maybe it's mostly northern India. I'm not sure. But that was my experience. Yeah, we found that it was different from the south and the north. You know, things it wasn't as um, how, how could I say it wasn't as difficult in the south. Mm-hmm. And part of that, from what we've learned, is that there's, a, you know, the South is a bit more educated. There's mm. more, I would say, a little more foreigners that may go down there, like Mumbai and all the major cities. So it's a mm-hmm. little bit different, you know. Yeah. We, we And we also went to all the major wrong areas anyway. So I think that also, <laughs> <laughs> we did all the wrong things. So that's mm-hmm. part of us. But yeah. nonetheless, it was still uh, an experience. An experience. And I, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, and yes, I, exactly. I always tell people, just go, don't worry about what people say. Don't worry about what you've read. It's going to be different for you because you bring a totally different perspective to your own personal But also, this puts in a good point, And I think this is what we need to let our listeners know. No matter how much you travel, no matter how many places you've been, don't take that for granted and think that you could just kind of get up and go. Always research where you're going. Mm-hmm. Research the culture, research the language, research the food, read some blogs, check some stuff out. Because had we not necessarily just kind of waved everything off, like, you know what, we'll be fine. We'll just kind of, you know, <laughs> jump in. India's not a place you wing. You wing a lot of places aren't places you wing, especially if you're in the east you know what i mean like if you're going to be in asia or africa and those kind of places you should definitely research where you're going yeah mm-hmm. for sure and we failed to do that we didn't do enough of it but i know that you we know that you're preparing for van life can you talk a little bit about that yes so while i was in india i'm going to take you back to when i told another cousin who's in new york that my travel partner and i would be traveling separately and i'd be coming back to the u.s Um, and I wasn't sure what I'd be doing, but I'd still be traveling. I would not be going back to a regular nine to five. She had said, what about van life? I said, what's that? So she started sending me videos about van life. And basically van life is a 
seems like a very popular movement where it's tiny house, tiny living, but in a van rather than in an RV. And you're traveling around with your home in combined with your car. And the van is a bit easier because rather than in an RV, you don't have to book a RV's camping space. You can just park on the street as another van because it's still, quote unquote, a car rather than a big bus. And it's it's really easy to do now. There's a big movement throughout the US and in Europe and where people are just traveling around. It's 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 easy and it's it's great for digital nomads because you can work from your computer and just travel and your home is there. And for me, my bathroom is there because I I always get a little nervous being in Asia because in the US, a lot of our, if you're traveling on a bus or on train, they have a restroom, particularly by bus. And in Asia, very few of their buses have a restroom. And I always find like I have to go all the time. So I liked that I would have my van with my home, my restroom, my vehicle, and I can go wherever I want. Basically, the van life for me at this time is only going to be a few years because I'll just be traveling around and getting to know cities that I'm interested in and then take that to the next phase of my life. But uh, right now, I'm really keen to get started on being a part of van life. That's cool. That's like total control of every aspect of your life at this point. But you know what I love about like van life is it comes around full circle if you really think about it. People have been doing this for years. Mm-hmm. You know, the cross-country road trips in their Winnebago's or their mm-hmm. RVs. It's the same kind of concept. There's a huge culture in Australia and New Zealand. It's mm-hmm. actually one of the most affordable ways to travel through those countries mm-hmm. is um, doing like a camper or a van life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great concept. You know, I would think it's very challenging, especially if it's, you know, two or more people in a smaller space for a number of hours, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, the people on YouTube, the people I've been following, there are a lot of couples, a lot of families, and you have to have, uh, I suppose, a certain personality or develop a certain personality when you're living in such close quarters. I actually used to um, work on luxury yachts and luxury yachts basically is just a floating mansion, a floating home. And you're with the crew and just putting the guests aside when you're with the crew of six or with the crew of eight, you know, if you have an argument, you've got to solve that problem. You've got to settle it. You, How far can you go to the bow, which is the front or to the aft, which is the back? That's it. When you're in open water, that's it. So you have to solve your problems. You have to get along no matter what, or it doesn't work. So it does take certain personalities to travel together in such close quarters. Right now, I would be um, traveling solo, but you never know because when my travel partner and I had separated in Asia, in India, I wound up making another friend who was a really good friend of mine now, and we wound up traveling for three months together. So you never know. It really depends on personalities. It really, really does. I love that. I mean, that's the, that's the beauty of travel because I've definitely been picked up by strangers or, or, or <laughs> picked up strangers. Up strangers. <laughs> <laughs> and we traveled yeah. and did tours together, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Or had dinner or drinks or, or whatever. And it's it's a beautiful thing. It and is. It, I love that spontaneity about travel. Yeah. You just never know how it's going to go down. You know, if you are open and you allow the process to be, mm-hmm. you just never know. Exactly. So do you have any plans of, of permanently moving abroad or? Well, 
Right now, right now is really just the van life and, and the plan afterwards is to move to California. Again, that's the plan. Many things change. I never even thought about van life. That was not on my list when I left the U.S. So right now, the plan is to do van life for the next few years and then move back to the U.S. and conduct trips abroad like every three months, do small group tours every three months. Again, that's the plan. So many things change. Who knows? Maybe I will be living in the south of France. I used to live in the south of France. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> I'm, I'm open. I'm open to it. Okay, great. So Nikki, as we start wrapping things up, mm -hmm. do you have any advice for newbie travelers? So it's time to dive deep and look into the holistic perspective of travel. We believe traveling is an investment in you. So our mission is to inspire you to book that flight, check that item off your bucket list, and go on that adventure. And our hope is to ignite connections all over the world. Yes, uh, circling back to what you all had said before is definitely to do your research. If you're interested in going to a particular location, do your research. And right now, Instagram, social media is a great resources to find, but also do your own, like going to government websites to see if they have any um, health issues or any safety issues before you go, but also find personal experiences because sometimes what we see may be a broader type of warning. It may not necessarily apply to you, but definitely do your research and uh, go with your gut, follow your gut instincts. We know instinctually when we feel unsafe or when we feel safe. We know because regardless of how much we may think we're so evolved, we're still animals. We're still animals who have gut instincts. And if you feel uncomfortable, get out of there leave. You know, my travel partner and I, when we were in Zanzibar, we were going to an ATM. The ATM was broken. There was a guy lurking outside who was saying, oh, I'll show you where another one is. And the main town of Zanzibar is a um, called Stone Town. And it's a very twisty, turny type of little town. And as we were walking, we were like, mm, where is this guy taking us? So we just told him, that's okay, thank you, uh, thank you very much. And he started to get very upset and started to tell us, oh, you know, when you help tourists, they usually give you a tip or something. So we started to follow our gut where we said, you know what, we're not going to go where he's taking us. So do your research, but still follow your gut wherever you are. Follow your instincts. You know when you feel unsafe. You know when you feel safe. I think that's great advice. That's solid advice. Yeah, and... And that goes for abroad or domestic. <laughs> like, yes. Yes. Just listen to your intuition. Absolutely. Yes. Yes, yes, Before yes. we wrap it up, I do want to give a, a quick shout out to the Haitians because, <laughs> yeah. you know, both Nikki and I are bona fide Haitian folks. So, yes. Sac passe. Ice, yes. Ice, yeah. We, c'est vrai, oui. Ice, yeah. Oh, by the by the way, before you go, um, I'd like to encourage people if they if they can to yes, they can go to Haiti. I had uh, resisted for many years, and and I went for the first and only time in 2014, mm -hmm. and it it 
Port-au-Prince, which is the capital of Haiti, was still showing uh, effects of the earthquake. I believe it was 2011, yep. I think, yep. or something. They did show some rubble. There were buildings that were still um, not been repaired. But when you go outside of Haiti, it's just like every other Caribbean country that I've been to. There are resorts. There are beautiful oceans, beautiful beaches. So because you brought up um, Haiti, I wanted to say that they, they do need money. They do need tourism. You can, uh, you know, if you make a connection to be safe, because, you know, still some places that they will sort of target tourists. And again, still go, but follow your instincts. But but Haiti is, is, a, is a great place to go outside of the capital and lots and lots of beautiful resorts. So I def just wanted to put that out there. Well, thank you for putting that out there. I have not been back since I left. Well, so. this is an easy plug. I mean, our friend has a whole like tour group that goes to Haiti every year. Yes. Awesome. So since you guys are talking about Haiti, let's just give Richard Conte a yeah. big shout out. The Haitian Nomad. The Haitian Nomad. Look him up at thehaitiannomad.net, I believe. Yep. And he does some epic trips to Haiti. Yes, he does. And they're all cultural immersive trips. And everything that you purchase when you're on your trip and all of that stuff goes right back into the country. Yes, that is correct. It's amazing. So please look him up. Yeah. So Nikki, where can our audience yes. find you and really track your wellness travels? Yes, so right now I'm on Instagram at Nikki Travels Well. It could be at Nikki underscore travels underscore well. And um, I'm currently working on my website and I will be releasing that. It'll be NikkiTravelsWell.com at that time. So I'm working on the website. I have a lot of stuff on Instagram right now and Facebook under Culture of Wellness. And I also have some lists. There's a tribal list. I don't know anyone heard of tribal lists where I talk about the things that you can do in South Asia and via fair travel. I'm on there as Nikki travels well, giving uh, some advice under the Instagrammers and bloggers. So I'm out there. I'm, I'm building my brand and you can follow me on Instagram and I'll definitely let everyone know where they can go when the website is really active. Awesome. Well, definitely guys go follow. follow. Wow. I just messed that up. Well, definitely, guys, go follow Nikki and keep track of her whereabouts. Nikki, thank you so much for being on the thank show. This you. was lovely, and thank you for the insights. Thank you so much, ladies. It was a pleasure to be here. I really appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in to Chronicles Abroad. Please support us by sharing this podcast through your social media platforms. Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram and hit that like button at Chronicles underscore Abroad. Find us online at our website, chroniclesabroad.com, for tips, resources, and ways we can collaborate. So don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Until then, beautiful people, thanks for listening. Music by Stephanie James and Almighty K-Rock, produced by Adam Marcus.